Okay, so Colossians 3 verse 23 says this. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if you were doing it for the Lord. Whatever you do. See, I've seen over the years many, many Christians get really confused about what's the will of God for my life? What's the will of God? And the longer I journey through faith and life, the more I realize that we all have many wills of God. And I don't know that it is one specific narrow channel that is God's will for our life. I think there are, there are multiple avenues. I don't think it's like God's will is X. I think God's will is A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Like God has a will for my life as a husband. God has a will for my life as a father. God has a will for my life as a pastor. God has a will for my life as, as a Christian. He has a will for my life as, as a mate. He has a will for my life as a, as a basketball player and a witness that I am in that team each week. And, and so, so there's, there's many different wills that God has for us. And sometimes we get so narrow-minded into thinking that it has to be this one specific nuanced thing that God's called me to do. And if I miss this, I miss out on everything. So no, no, no. Whatever you do, whatever, do it with all your heart as if you're doing it for the Lord. It's open, right? Whatever you do, just do it in a way that would bring glory to God. Just do it in a way as if you're serving God himself. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Some translations say we'll, be, we'll succeed. So whatever you do, commit it to God. God, this thing, this venture, this business decision, this, this, this relationship, this whatever it is, I'm going to commit this to you. And by committing it to him, we make sure that the parameters around that decision are actually God-honoring and not sin-honoring or self-honoring. So, so that, that way we, we put ourselves in a spot where we can actually honor God and serve him in all that we do. Proverbs 3, 6 says this, In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge God. I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, so what would it look like to Proverbs 3, 6, your marriage? To acknowledge God in your marriage. What would that look like? What would it look like to Proverbs 3, 6 in how you parent? What would it look like to Proverbs 3, 6 in how you manage your finances? What would it look like to Proverbs 3, 6 in your uh, workplace or in your uh, daily decisions or in, when it comes to your physical health and emotional health? What does it look like to acknowledge Him? See, Proverbs 3, 6 in your life, acknowledging God in all your ways, when we Proverbs 3, 6, our life, our life begins to be a life of discipleship because that's what discipleship is, is acknowledging God, committing our way to him and whatever we choose to do, we do it in a way as if we're doing it to God himself wholeheartedly. That is discipleship, committing not just the fact that we get to church on a Sunday, but what are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to do Thursday afternoon? What are, you, what are you doing on a Saturday morning? We commit all these things to God and he starts to permeate and filter every decision and every path we go on. That is discipleship. So I'm going to pack that a little bit further this morning. So Schizera in his book states that, that very few people have a conscious plan for developing their spiritual lives. Sobering thought. He says when it comes to personal spiritual development, he believes most Christians are not intentional, but rather functional and live on autopilot. 
And this is where this morning's idea of the rule of life swings into action. This is where we start to, for the rubber to hit the road. A rule of life. This might be, um, there it is, uh, unfamiliar language to you. This is, this is ancient practice. This is not something that's just been come up with in the last 15 years. This, this is like over the last 1,500 years, uh, the church in different ways and measures have been doing this thing called the rule of life to take their spiritual development and their discipleship to Christ out of just being uh, of this by chance or by happenstance, they actually take control of their spiritual development and are intentional about following Jesus so they can be more fruitful. So rule of life is not, you've got to hear me on this, is not a set of religious orders designed to restrict or control you. Rather, it is a call for us to take control of our lives and live intentionally. It's like, it's like a trellis. And if you know anything about gardening, which I don't really, but pretend I do. Um, a, a trellis is, is like a framework that you will attach a plant to so it can grow up to be nice and strong. And I think of like, like a vineyard. If you've ever been in, driven past a vineyard or been one, you just see rows and rows of these little fences, these trellises, where the, the grapevine will grow up on there. And without that, the, the vine just lays on the ground. And it doesn't reach its full growth and, f- and fruitful potential. Whatever fruit it does produce gets trampled on or eaten by the things along the ground or, or it gets close to the ground and gets diseases and things like that. But once you attach it to a trellis and get it standing up, it can grow higher away from the problems and distractions and the, 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 the issues that laying on the ground will uh, provide and it becomes its most fruitful version of itself. This is what a rule of life is for our spirit. It's not meant to make you super religious. It's not meant to make us like a Pharisee. It's meant to make us free to be all God has designed us to be so we can actually live on purpose. So I'm going to go through a bunch of of these areas. There's 12 that we have listed. I have um, put together for all of you, you're welcome, you're so welcome, um, a a rule of life um, little booklet which will be available after the service, which has a little snapshot of the concept of that particular discipline and also some application points. And at the back is a uh, My Rule of Life overview where you can write your own rule of life um, and, and start to get mastery and control of your own discipleship and spiritual formation. So it'll be very, very cool. So that'll be available after the service. But the first one, I'm going to just fly through real quick because I understand that you guys are fanging for coffee and I get that and I want to respect and honour that, to be honest. So... Um, so first of all is daily office. So daily office, and Rian touched on this the other week, which is brilliant. Daily office is us taking micro moments every single day to acknowledge the presence of God. It is to practice the presence of God wherever we are. And you might bring in, so uh, it's, 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 it's essentially like two, three, maybe five times a day where you just carve out three or four minutes to be quiet, acknowledge God, appreciate God, reset your heart to a place of worship and surrender. You might bring a scripture into that and meditate on that for a moment, a psalm or something. Or it's just like, man, God, you are here. But so many of us, we have that moment at about 9.45 on a Sunday morning when the worship team does all the heavy lifting for us. And then we can get so busy with life, we forget to do that until next Sunday. But the daily office is exactly that, is prioritizing micro moments throughout each day to be present with God. And you might go, oh, I can't do that. I reckon you can. I was talking to Rian about this the other day. He's a plumber. 
and um, he was saying he installed a hot water system on site and in order to make sure it's working properly you have to fill the hot water system up and it takes about 10 minutes to fill and you're just making sure you're washing that for no leaks and, and, and then you can test it. So he had a, a 5 to 10 minute window while he's waiting for this hot water system to fill up and so all he did was just stand and look to the sky, the clouds, the trees, listen to the, the wind or the birds and just have a five minute moment of daily office. So it's so achievable. We just have to draw our attention to the discipline of doing it in order to be able to make that habit stick in our life. And so it, it doesn't have to be massive, it just starts small, um, but the daily office is something that um, is, is really helpful for us in order to, to just to follow more closely with Jesus day by day. It's about stopping, centering ourselves, being quiet, and, and perhaps putting scripture in there as well. Sabbath. Again, another, I'm just picking on you, Rian. The, the first three, um, after this, I will not talk about you again, I promise. Um, but this is one that he also spoke on. And, and this is, this is, the Sabbath is, is essentially taking that daily office thing and blowing it up for a whole day. And it's more than just, I'll have a day off. It's, it's an intentional day off that we just do not do anything that is laborious or draining for our soul, but we only choose to do things that brings us rest, brings us rejuvenation, brings us life, brings us joy, have fun. So go um, read that book, ride that bike, hit that beach, go for that four-wheel drive, whatever it is that you do. Even like gardening might seem like work to some people, but some people it brings them life. So do the garden, whatever it is, just do things that bring you joy. Delight for a whole 24 hours and acknowledging the goodness of God and following his model that he established with the very creative order in Genesis. That he would work for six and rest for one. We've got too busy where we sort of work for six and we just work for another one because we can. And we're 24-7 connected by digital tormenting stuff. I'm not, I've lost my words there, but you know what I'm saying. Sabbath, it's good. Um, and it's less, it's, honestly, it's less than, it's not a religious requirement as much as it is a beautiful gift from God for us to partake in. That's how we have to see Sabbath, not as a religious thing, but as a beautiful gift that God gives us to reorder our life. Scripture is the third one. Um, so understanding God's Word. Now, now God, God's Word, the Bible, the Holy Bible, is the primary way God speaks to people today. Yes, God speaks in multiple different ways. He speaks via spirit. He speaks via prophecy. He speaks in all different ways. But we know God is speaking 24-7 through His Word. And so if people say, oh, I can't hear the voice of God, I would say, go and open your Bible because He's always speaking. And so, but where do we start? How do we read the Bible? All these things are valid questions. And so, so my job is to help people understand the Bible uh, in whatever way they possibly can to, to get better at hearing the voice of God and understanding who God is and how life works with Him. The key there is to do it regularly, read it slowly, grab resources that can help you with Bible commentary or whatever. Um, and, and not just reading it for information. The goal of Scripture is transformation. It's not so I can retain, oh, this is a really cool scripture. It's not how can I go and apply that to my life and see God transform me in my world. Four is simplicity. Um, this is uh, disciplining our life to remove distractions and remain free from attachments. So some of us live far too fast life that is too complex and too crazy and we, we're so overwhelmed we feel spiritually suffocated and that's maybe because there's too many distractions and too many attachments. 
So simplicity is about unpacking our life to go, okay, what am I attached to and, and what am I distracted by and how do I minimize those things to live more simply and live more freely? Um, Jesus says in, in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, like, Come to me, all you who are heavy laden and burdened, I'll give you rest. And uh, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And, and follow me and I'll, I will teach you the way of, uh, to, to live freely and lightly. Now, either he lied or somewhere on the line we've got messed up in how we've viewed and valued life. Because the life Jesus offers is freely and lightly, marked by joy. And so I don't, I don't reckon Jesus lied on that. I don't reckon he's, he's good, he's sweet, he's good to be trusted. So maybe we have somewhere along the lines misorganized our world and we need to reorient that and live a little bit simply to be able to experience the life Jesus promises. Guys, it's so quiet, it's beautiful. Uh, can you teach my children to be quiet like that? Maybe I'd appreciate that. Silence and solitude, again, we've talked about that a bunch, but just finding space. I was talking to a mate yesterday. Um, and he's just bought a boat, and he says, I love to go out to sea. I love to go deep sea fishing. And he goes, 90% of the time, I don't take anyone with me because I just like to be by myself. There's something about the ocean and just being out there and reflecting and thinking. And, and this guy's even a Christian. I was like, bro, that's, that's silence and solitude. That's creating space in your world to uh, declutter the noise of everything else just so you could center yourself, um, be more aware of your emotions, and just think through stuff and process stuff. Now, for us, we obviously bring God into that so we can hear him more clearly because the voice of the world is quite loud and distracting. But, but silence and solitude is a great practice to try and bring in. And we do that daily with the daily office and things like that, but, but having that on a grander scale where we actually take time out for maybe an hour every few weeks or whatever and just have... Silence and solitude. It is one of the most tormenting things and one of the most difficult spiritual practices there is. I'm not even joking. Try it. Try to put an hour aside and be quiet. And then try to wrestle your mind and the million directions it's trying to take you so it can be centered and clear on God. It's a really, really tricky one. Uh, mission um, is all about what God's called us to. What, what, what's our life, what, what's the work of our life achieving? Um, if, if salvation uh, is about where we've been saved from, then mission is about where we've been saved to. What has God saved us to? What's his plan? What's his purpose for our life? What gift has he given us? And what are we doing with those gifts? So that's mission. Uh, recreation is another spiritual discipline, believe it or not. Um, and we spoke of this before, John 10.10. 10, Jesus says, I come to give you life, life to the full, um, not a drab life or a dull life bound by religious rules and orders, but he came to give us a life that is colourful, that is vibrant, meant to be lived. So whatever you do that brings you joy, I'm weird, right? I'm weird. Some people, um, scientists say that, that, that most people when they scroll social media and, and they see a like on their post or even a comment, they get these hit of dopamine. So, ooh, this little sense of, oh my gosh, someone liked my comment. Oh my, oh my gosh, it's amazing. And they get like wobbly at the knees and it's an amazing experience. I understand that. I, I've, I've been there. I, I've, I've had the dopamine hit. You know, it's, I've been to, to DA um, for that to get healing. But dopamine anonymous, you're welcome. Um, but for me, there is something cathartic about watching an orange ball fall through a net. Like, I get a dopamine hit every day, especially if I've shot that ball, and it's going... <laughs> don't even get me started if it doesn't hit rim, it's just a swish, like just straight... That is just like, 
the sound of heaven's gates opening to, well done, good and faithful, here you are, enter into paradise. That, that for me brings me so much joy and de-stresses me. And so having recreation in your life is a spiritual discipline that should not be neglected or ignored. Um, family, again, this, this discipline is geared towards the relationships with those who are most close to us, our family, our wives, our husbands, our children, and those in close proximity. So, so having a spiritual discipline to um, be aware of those relationships. How do, we, how do we deal with family of origin stuff that's impacting our family today in order to develop healthy, flourishing relationships with our family today and tomorrow? So that's an important thing to consider. Nine is community. So this is like um, that next tier of, of family. This is like our, my people or you know, those who are, are really close to you that are going to help you and spur you on and encourage you in your journey of life. Um, they, they celebrate you with you in the highs, commiserate with you in the lows. They call you out when you're wrong. They lift you up when you're down. Uh, it is basically your support network and you are theirs. Community. What is your community? Are you involved in the community? Do you have people like this? The church should be, for Christians, the first port of call to form this community because we have a thing called Jesus that bonds us and unites us all together. So if you go through this rule of life, you'll see there's a bunch of questions about that to help you formulate a rule of life around community. Physical health. Um, statistically speaking, most people do not take care of their physical health and are in poor um, physical health conditions. Um, they treat their body more like an amusement park than the temple that God's created them to be. This is a big call, but I kind of believe taking care of your physical body is just as spiritual a practice as prayer and worship. What? Yeah. Because your body is God's gift to you, God's vehicle to deliver his redemptive power and plan through this world. And so, really, it's a matter of stewardship. How are we going to treat this body? Do I, does this body get enough sleep for its stage of life? Do, do we drink enough water? Are we eating healthy, nutritious foods? Uh, are we exercising enough? What is our relationship like with alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, medication, um, things like that, sugar, fatty foods? How do we approach those things? Because I, I think that there, there should be almost like a redemptive um, revival in, in how Christians view their physical health as a spiritual practice and something to be actually uh, focused on and prioritised. Um, Eleven, we're almost, you guys are amazing. Two to go. I'm so proud of you guys. Um, financial health. Like our physical health, many people find themselves in poor financial health too. Um, they take little care of the finances that God's entrusted to them. And this could be for very various reasons, such as negligence. I'm just, I just spend what I want. I mean, credit card debt, I don't really care. So you're just a little bit negligent with, with money. That's some people. Lack of education, they just don't know how to, money works and how to save properly and how to have a plan and, and, and treat money well, how to budget. Um, poor theology. Some people are financially unhealthy because of a poor theology, believing that God wants you poor. No. God doesn't want you poor. Oh, does God want you rich? No. God doesn't want you rich. Well, what does he want for you? He wants you generous. He doesn't want you poor. His plan isn't for you to be rich. His plan is for you to be generous. That's the Christian life when it comes to finances. Um, theologian and revivalist John Wesley is quoted as saying this. I love this. When asked about financial health, 
he put it down to three categories. And, and we could definitely form a biblical framework around these things, but he just makes it concise so beautifully. He says, earn as much as you can, first and foremost. So what job do you have? Can you increase that? Can you have a multiple source of income? What's your investment strategies? All that sort of stuff. So earn as much as you can. Save as much as you can. It's important to leave a legacy, an inheritance for our children, our children's children. That's a biblical concept. So save as much as you can. And thirdly, give as much as you can. Give as much as you can. Be as generous as you possibly can be. Earn as much, save as much, give as much as you possibly can. For me, that is a beautiful theology of um, biblical financial stewardship right there. So questions to ask ourselves: How much do I currently earn? How can I increase it? How much do I currently save? How can I increase that? How much do I currently give? How do I increase that? Are some really important factors to consider when formulating your own rule of life. Last but not least is emotional health, which we've been talking about for the last two months. It can be as simple as just paying attention to our feelings. Why am I responding in this situation the way I am? What am I feeling when that person says that thing and I feel this? What's going on? Rather than you know, demonize that person for saying the thing, hold on, why am I feeling that way? What's going on inside of me? How do I process that in a healthy way with, with the power and presence of God, with the voice of other people uh, to, to get through those things? And I think we need to address this area of emotional health because it affects every area of our life, in particular relationships. Our emotional health will determine the health of our relationships. And so it's vitally important that we do that. So the last thing I'll say, two things about the rule of life, is um, it's not a set and forget thing. So if we go to the next slide, sorry, the next one is, this is what the last page looks like. It's gold in your handout. Um, it's your rule of life overview, where it's got all the 12 things we talked about on the left. And then um, achievable goals you can write for each one of those daily, weekly, monthly, annually. Spend some time on this. Figure out how it's going to work for you. Make it achievable. But first thing is, is this is a working document. It's not set and forget. You might set a few things and, and, and go, you know what, um, I'm going to set a daily goal of three hours of silence and solitude. And you're so pumped about it. And then you realize uh, on Tuesday that that's not achievable. So then you go back and you go, oh, let's try a 10 minutes or something realistic like that. Or maybe we'll do an hour, we'll build up to an hour once a year or once a month or something like that. So, so it's really important that um, we see this as a working document. It's not a religious thing. It's this trellis that we are designing specifically to build our spiritual life on so we can be as fruitful as God would have us be and we can reach our maximum potential. Um, and also you might go, look, I, I've set a, a daily goal of 60 seconds of silence and solitude. And you realize that you need at least five minutes, so you're going to up that. So those sort of things. And the last thing I'll say about all of this is discipleship is never meant to be a practice outworked in isolation. Does not happen. We need iron to sharpen iron. A sword by itself cannot get sharp. It needs another sword to ching-ching itself against in order to get sharp and be at its maximum use and potential. So discipleship is no different. We need people, we need relationships, we need life on life. I need you, you need me, we need each other in order to, to do this. So I would say get a trusted friend, make it, maybe make a small group and, and spend some time going through these rules of life. 
and share, hold yourself accountable. So I, I should get together with Nathan. Dude, here's my rule of life, bro. I'm thinking about this. I'm gonna do this. And he's like, text me during the week. Hey, you said you were going to do um, Sabbath each week and you'd be disciplined. How did you go with Sabbath? Oh, bro, it's not really great. Oh, yeah, that's cool. But you can maybe, maybe you know, say, oh, maybe you can do four hours instead of a whole day. I'm like, that's a good idea, Nate. Thank you, bro. And, and so we work together and, and encourage each other and hold each other accountable in a healthy way to be the maximum that God has called us to be as disciples and followers of Jesus. And my last point is this. The whole reason we do any of this is for the vision of our church to help us be with Jesus and be like Jesus. That's it. That's the whole point. And so my heart for this last two months is that we would identify areas in our world that, that probably need some work on and have the courage to take the control of our life back into our own hands and not leave our discipleship to chance or circumstance, but be led by the Spirit of God, empowered by the presence of God, to be, to be all God has called us to be.